welcome everyone to episode one of Like Riding a Bike. That's riding with a W because I think I'm way funnier than I am. Um, I'm actively fighting the impulse right now to talk in like a weird whispery radio voice because I think the microphone is getting to my head. But um, this would be the time in a normal podcast, episode one, where I guess I'd be talking about sort of what my plan is for my five episode arc. And really, I'm interested in just the journey of it. So maybe we can discover what this podcast is about on the way. But generally, I'm interested in craft, in poetry and fiction, both, um, and just what that process looks like for different people. So it's kind of a mystery to me right now. And we're going to be talking to guests and getting to the bottom of it. I'm here today with Naomi Avrutsky, who is a senior at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and an up-and-coming poet that I am very excited about. Naomi has been published in Cellar Door, Idiosyncrasy, and Peregrine Magazine, and is also the founder of one of UNC's best creative writing clubs, which is Backpage. So if you want to say hey. Hey. How's it going? I'm so stoked to have you here. I'm great. I'm t- I'm tired as hell, but yeah, lethally caffeinated. So <laughs> it's been a long week, but I'm excited for this. Every week is a long week lately. That's how I. When I'm will feeling. they invent a week that's bearable? Please, <laughs> somebody. <laughs> when when the new week update drops, I can't yeah. wait. I'll I'll be first in line. But um, I was I was wondering about where to start our conversation today, mm-hmm. and then. In class earlier today, I actually got to hear you read some poems, which was yeah. which was really fun. And a lot of your imagery revolved around science. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about your major and, and how that affects your process. Yeah, so I'm an astrophysics major and a creative writing minor, which is a quirky little combination. Um, and I think physics takes up a lot of my time. I think the two are sometimes more similar than I realize. Well, right now I'm doing research on dark matter halos. So I'm doing a lot of intense computational work. And then I'm also a poet. I like to write. That's like kind of my space to get away. It's my escape. But I think both of those are about creating something new that hasn't been done before. As far as like the influence in my poems, I think it's just that like daily life thing, that passion of mine, it finds its way into my poems. Um, I, on the first day of class, I read a poem called The Poet Explains Infinity. And when I started reading it, after I had introduced myself, I realized, damn, like this is really such a um, quintessential poem to describe my personality. So I feel like those two, I've discovered how much my interests intersect in some interesting ways. That's fascinating. And and I like what you said a lot about it being an intersection, but also an escape that that you could be getting away from something that you spend so much time doing, but it also has has significant overlaps. That's interesting. Tell me more. This isn't this isn't really a craft question, but I'm curious about dark matter halos. So what's up? What's up with those? Starting with what are they? Yeah. So, oh, gosh, where do I begin? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm doing research um, in cosmology right now. And this is my senior thesis. And it is a simulation of early dark matter halos in the universe. And I'm basically working with this code that has been written and I'm improving it. And 
yeah, there's a lot of cosmology behind it that I'm going to spare you, but yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. I, I'm interested because creative writing for, for people I know at your level, because cause, y'all, she's so talented. It, it is like everything they do is revolving around creative writing. And I'm, I'm not putting my own work on your level, but like um, I'm a major in creative writing and it, I feel like so much of what I do is geared towards that. So for it to be like not even the main thing you're studying, but still something um, that you're so skilled at is, is really impressive. So, um, I think that I've realized this semester mm. just how much I need it as an escape um, because it's like physics will bring my ego down and then I'll go to Ross's class and my ego will like rise again. And that's just like the dichotomy of my day. It's just so interesting to be able to do all of those things in one day and to access all the parts of my brain. Mm. So that's what I've really enjoyed, like filling my time with in college. I love that. STEM girlies are in the trenches sometimes. Um, it, it sounds demoralizing. So, I am so in the trenches. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm lifted out of the trenches. I will rise from the ashes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, I also wanted to talk to you a little bit about your work with, um, with Deep in the Drafts. Um, yes. So uh, if you could explain that to our listeners who maybe aren't familiar. Yeah, so... Um, I founded Backpage Creative Writing Club with my friend Maggie Dunn um, when I was a sophomore because we felt like there wasn't a space for writers to just get together on campus and write without it being a lit mag, without it being selective. So we just wanted a space where people could share their work, where people could get feedback and write together for an hour once a week. And it's really, really grown as a club. At the beginning of the semester, we had 50 people at our interest meeting. It was crazy. You were there. Um, it was wild. <laughs> and it was just a fun poetry quad moment. And with developing that club, what we have done is create an anthology called Deep in the Drafts. Um, so essentially at the end of every semester, we will ask for submissions from the club members. And it's not selective. We just want an anthology of everything that has been created um that semester no i i just think that's such a such a respectable vision because we're um we're all in this class um in the process of like submitting to lit mags and and we're learning like the the reality of how selective these magazines are and yes. and i guess the idea there is that like competition drives you to create your best work that like you're wanting to be better and better to to beat out the competition to get accepted and i'm looking back on like what i think my best work is and when i've created that hasn't been in spaces where i feel like i'm in competition with people it's been in in like accepting communities that are like feedback based and and really wishing for the success of your peers that's so true yeah, I agree. I think that, that you've created a space that's um, relatively competition-free that's still geared towards creating a product is is really awesome. Yeah, exactly. Competition does not always breed innovation. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. And we perpetuate that idea in, in everything um, and in STEM fields, too. Yeah, I know, like, exactly. like the whole concept of a weed-out class. It's, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I just think that's really respectable. Um, 
and and the work you're doing there is really awesome. I was also wondering if you could talk a little bit about your um your Orlando project. Yes, thank you for bringing that up. Um, I'm really trying to get it out there. So essentially, what I am trying to launch is a poetry zine featuring the work of LGBTQ writers, and that's everybody from our campus to like the national poetry community. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm really excited to read all of those submissions. The deadline for submissions is November 10th. Um, and I have a link for submissions and I'm sure you could put that in the, like a, there's a link on Spotify somehow. Um, I'll hella link this. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm really excited to see where that goes. Um, also, Another thing is it's, I want to make it a printed out zine. Um, So I want to be able to distribute it at the end when I have a final product. But I think my intention with it is to create a platform for queer writing because I have not encountered a queer lit mag um, yet. I know there's Lambda Literary Magazine but in my local circles, in my community, I just have yet to encounter that. And I really feel a need for that because, you know, there's such a, there's such a need for it. Um, there's such a need for queer writing as a queer person. You just, it's, you just absolutely need it in your life. Hell yeah. Yeah. I think, um, did you go to Queer Fall Fest ever? In I your- did not. Wait, okay. That's crazy. I didn't even go to regular Fall Fest. <laughs> well, because the is is absolutely dystopian, <laughs> and every time I go, I regret it. But um, no, for for those of you who don't go to UNC, um, Fall Fest is kind of this like big club gathering we have at the beginning of the year, where like um, everyone and their fucking mother comes out here um to go like see what the clubs are i guess and it's just like a huge swarm and and it's cool there's free swag and all kinds of stuff but um there's about a week later they host a really small like queer fall fest that's all queer clubs um and i went my freshman year and it was all like like gays in math gays in computer science Mm -hmm. um (laughs) and i thought that was really cool because it was like spaces that feel inherently straight or like um not necessarily queer um and i think it's really cool that they made spaces for those people within those disciplines but at the same time it's like in more intrinsically queer spaces like creative writing there's a lack of like Mm -hmm. i don't know like intention in making those spaces accepting for queer people because they're like oh there's a lot of gay people in the creative writing major already we don't need like yeah, they'll be fine. <laughs> and, and that's different than yeah. than actually having a space. So I um I really respect the work you're doing there. Um, trying to really make a space. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I that reminds me of visibility and physics, which is also a club that I'm a part of, because I think STEM physics specifically can become a very queer space. I think mm. the the more and more you get into physics academia all the women are gay. Like that's just, that is just how it goes. <laughs> it just becomes gayer and gayer um, is what I've experienced. And we have a, a club in the physics department that facilitates um, a space for underrepresented students in STEM because STEM can be so exclusive and, you know, academics, blah, blah, blah. So it's really nice to have those spaces around campus. It's just what that reminded me of. Sure. 
No, and 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 again, I'm not trying to speak against queer STEM spaces. I think they're really important. I just think um, the the lack of those spaces in in places that I guess are perceived as more queer uh-huh. is kind of unacceptable. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I think there's totally a market for Orlando, Orlando out there, and I'm really excited for it to come out. So yeah, I'm very excited to see where it goes. Yeah. Um. I was wondering if I could talk to you a little bit about craft in general. So um, that's part of the goal of this podcast is I'm just going to be talking to artists that I respect and just hearing um, like kind of what their process looks like from the moment an idea or like an itch to write hits them um, versus when they have a quote unquote finished poem um, or, or a fictional piece. I know you write fiction as well. So um, mm-hmm. if you could if you could lay it on me, what your process looks like. Yeah, so it's hard to pin down what the structure is because I think most of the time I'll have an idea that is circling in my brain and a lot of the time I've taken inspiration from a movie that I've seen, from a book that I've read, from another poet and that idea will be marinating in my head and then ultimately I'll be hit with like a moment of like, I need to pin down this raw emotion. And my way of pinning down my raw emotions is not, it's not journaling. Like I know some people will journal. It's writing a poem about it. Mm. I will always write a poem about it (laughs) sometimes too. Um, So that like raw emotion is the poem and occasionally it can evolve into a story um, or it can evolve into fiction later. But that initial burst of inspiration and I will always edit as I go it's kind of rare for me to have a full rough draft and then completely change it, but I've, I've done that before. Um, but yeah, mostly I'll edit as I go. Um, and as far as when I know, like the moment when I know a poem is done, I think if I'm able to read it again three months later, five months later, and I feel like it still hits, I feel like I could still read it to someone and be really proud of it. I think that's when I feel like it's finished. Mm. Um, oh, also I have a bad habit of submitting my early drafts. Like I'll have a newborn baby of a poem and then I'm like, fuck it. It's, it's going because it feels <laughs> right in the moment. <laughs> and sometimes later it won't hold up or sometimes it will hold up, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that, I mean, yes, revision is important, but if it feels right in the moment, like why not? submit it well and and we want to i like what you said about raw emotion being like the source of a poem for you and and mm-hmm. honestly can feel like we get further from that raw emotion the more we revise um and and i'm not speaking out against revision because it's it's totally essential to um to creating a final product but yeah there is a sense that we're we're losing some of that raw emotion the more we we revise so yeah that's interesting yeah, well, I think about Jack Kerouac, right? Didn't he didn't he write on these like mm-hmm. big giant typewriter pages and and when he was done, he was done and he really wouldn't go back. Um and that that kind of makes some of his work like bad? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> have the confidence, have the confidence of a man to be like, <laughs> yes, it's this is it and it we're is. done and go and submit. <laughs> I love exactly. that. Exactly. Um but yeah, like honoring the and the initial source of inspiration being this this raw unpolished emotion, and so so editing as you go, 
walk me through that process. Like how long, how long does that take? Yeah. So I am a stickler for grammar and if a word doesn't feel right, I have to change it. And sometimes I can be too in my head about it, but I really care a lot about the words, the specific words that I'm using and the diction. And I think it's just like going line by line and seeing what feels right on the fifth reread, on the 17th reread. Do you talk to yourself while you write poetry? Because I catch myself acting like a crazy person, like, <laughs> like reading my poems out loud to myself as I'm writing. And that honestly is like very helpful. If I've written something that I really enjoy, I'll read it out loud in my bedroom like, hell yeah, this is good. <laughs> like Every night as you fall asleep. You know, the, <laughs> you know the high when you finish something and you're uh-huh. like, damn, it's, it's done. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> um, but I don't think that I talk to myself as I go. That's good. That, that may mean that you're closer to sanity than I am. Um, <laughs> so I respect you for that. Um, I love I love this moment you're talking about where where you can be like, I'm finished with a poem, I'm done. And that just is like a, a feeling of great joy. And I have trouble feeling like I've reached that point ever, even after extensive revision. Mm-hmm. And is it just a feeling um, that, that you feel you've hit the mark? I think it's a feeling that can evolve. Like I'll feel it. And then maybe um, a few days down the road, I'll feel it again. Um, So it doesn't have to be one feeling. It can be evolving. But yes, I think when I have that raw emotion and my goal is to put it on paper, I feel like I have that, that singular moment of like, okay, I've put it on paper. What's next? I love that. And, and thinking of, of poetry and art, of any kind is evolving, I think is is really well said. Um, that a poem can be done today and then a week later it can it can be undone almost and need to serve a different purpose. And and I guess that's our job is to like keep writing towards completion. Yeah. And something that I think is interesting is when you feel like you've grown out of a certain poem, mm. um, like I'll talk to my friends who write songs and they're like, yes, this song that I wrote when I was 17 doesn't really hit the same anymore. Or I feel weird performing it now because it doesn't feel true to me anymore, but it's still a good song. So I feel that way about poems that I wrote when I was 17. And it's interesting to speak to people about like, okay, this one still holds up. This one, I would feel weird reading out loud right now. It feels maybe a little childish. It feels like my past self. Yeah, one thing about me is you will soon discover that I go through so many different eras. Taylor Swift. <laughs> Literally Taylor Swift. Like, oh, I, that's like my ongoing bit of like, I'm in my blank era. Um, so it's like when I'm in an era, then I'll write something and that'll feel really true for a while. Like maybe... I'll write many things incorporating um, incorporating some space imagery. Or right now I'm on a big kick of like the haunted house story. I've been watching Mike Flanagan's TV show since it's October. I just watched um, The Fall of the House of Usher. That's on my list. So now I'm on my like spooky, spooky story shit. Like I want to write some spooky poems. I want to write something ghost haunted house related. 
Um, so that's like, could be considered an artistic era. And then maybe three months down the road, I'm going to feel like, okay, that was my past self. How comfortable am I? How, like, how much do these poems still hold up now? I love that. I, I really love that. And, and something that you wrote when you were 15, that doesn't feel true to you at all anymore can still be important because it was true to you when you wrote it. Yes. And that's hard. It's hard to like stick by your work that doesn't feel true to you anymore. But if it feels true to you at the time you write it, I guess it's, it's, it, it stays true. Yeah. And I think reading things out loud helps me remember just how much it does feel true because I can still read something from years ago and reading it out loud is such a different feeling. Like I was reading at this wonderful open mic at the Campus Y a couple of weeks ago. Um, The Campus Y is like our social justice hub at UNC um, and they hosted an open mic. And I didn't come in initially wanting to read, but then towards the end, everybody was getting up. I was like, okay, I'll read something. And I read actually the poem that I shared in class today, um, which is about queer joy and like, queer joy as a form of resistance. And I hadn't read that poem out loud in front of strangers before, but it really took on a different form. So I think ultimately reading your work out loud like helps you discover new things about it. So I think I could read something that I wrote when I was 15 and still feel like it holds up as you were saying. Yeah, it's context-based mm-hmm. kind of, right? Like like we try things out in in different settings and it's important to share widely because it can the the meaning of the poem can change based on based on who you're sharing it with and under what circumstances. I feel like I've been cutting you off Loki a little little bit. <laughs> no. No because my biggest fear when I picked a podcast for my project was like, oh, I'm another dude who's like Oh, I'm fascinating and I need to record this shit like when I hear myself talk. And that's and I I hope I'm the least interesting part of this <laughs> podcast. Like I hope that the ratio of me to my guests talking is like 1 to 10 because really like mm-hmm. I I you are so fascinating and everything you said has been wonderful. Cut me off all you want, but also you've not been cutting me off. <laughs> I'm trying to keep these episodes short and concise to respect your time and and the valuable time of my of my four loyal listeners. So um, <laughs> I'm keeping it concise. But if you have any any closing thoughts you'd like to share mm-hmm. with everyone, and if you don't, I can cut this question in post. <laughs> I want to say something meaningful. As long as it's true to you in this moment. Exactly. I think just look out for information about Orlando. Um, I am really looking forward to reading those submissions. And I'm excited to see where that project goes. You can find my work in the latest edition of Cellar Door. Self-promo. <laughs> yes. And and y'all, please look out for her work. She is outstanding. Um, I'm sure you got that vibe from listening to her talk today. But um, but yeah, and, and she's up to big things. So um, I'll be sharing the submissions link for Orlando. I'm going to have this episode out um, definitely before November 10th. So um Please submit if you're queer. Let's be honest. If you're listening to me talk about poetry right now on Spotify, you're probably gay. So, uh. Are there any straight people in the room? Expose yourselves now. (laughs) 
thank you so much for speaking with me today. I really, you're, you're a dear friend and I respect you so much as an artist. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to talk about this. Um, yeah, I love like, I love how we've created a little poetry community on the quad. It's been really fun. And I look forward to reading more of your work as well and like see where all of your projects go. So that's really exciting. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm blushing. Thank you for being here. And and I'll link that submission. Um, all right. Hell well, yeah. I guess I'll see y'all next episode. All right. Um, and I'll see you for dinner if you're still game. <laughs> I think we're going at seven now. Yeah. I'll I'll cut this in post. Okay. Don't don't <laughs> cut it in post. Give give them Everyone our address. Meet it through, meet it through <laughs> Everybody Delhi meet it in, true. In an hour and a half. So. Four listeners okay. meet it true. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. I hope and... it's gonna hold up in post processing. Oh, it will. Yeah. <laughs> uh, once I fix things in post, we're ready. Mm-hmm. I don't have much to fix. Yeah. You were kind of perfect. So <laughs> okay. Well, I'm gonna press stop on this recording, and we'll see All what right. happens.